Thanks for listening to the Word Alive podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching. For more resources, please download our app by typing WAIO in your Play Store. First point I want to make about Kids Lev, it's it has to do with light. This is the festival of light. Isn't it interesting this time of year we put lights up everywhere? Well, this is not just a, a cultural thing. This is actually a biblical thing. It's the festival of lights because this is the month of light. It's based on the uh, Hebraic holiday of Hanukkah, which is the festival of light. And it's where uh, Israel was invaded basically by terrorism. And Jerusalem was destroyed. Temple was defiled. And a strong, small group called the Maccabees literally, with God's help, defeated the entire Greek Syrian army, drove them out of the nation. The nation was left devastated, thousands of people dead, temple desecrated. They actually sacrificed pigs in the temple. It was a total travesty that happened. And in the midst of this, their first act of hope was to find oil for the light in the temple. And history records there was only enough oil to last for one day, but it took eight days to cleanse or redeem anything that had been defiled, and they only had enough oil for one day. And they lit it, and it burned for eight days. The light stayed lit. And so they celebrate that miracle every year as the, as the Feast of Light. So we started thinking about that as I wanted to share this few moments with you today as we move forward in this month of Kids Lev. Isn't it interesting, Matthew 5, if we could put it on the screen, says something like this, you are the light of the world. Isn't it interesting it didn't say God's the light of the world? It said, you are the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. That is a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden, hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify God in heaven. So we had an idea. We were thinking about what to do for the holiday season, Thanksgiving and Christmas this year, and we thought maybe we should empower people with the message of light. And we put on the back of your handout of Kids Lev some, some concept of ways to bless people in this season. And we got a dream. And what would it look like if everybody in our congregation decided this year I'm going to bless somebody? This year I'm going to bless somebody. And, we, and we, had, we, we came up with some creative ideas. You'll come up with your own. But we thought of something like leave a surprise gift or, uh, on a friend or neighbor's doorstep. How cool would that be? Pay for a drive through meal or, or coffee for the customer that's behind you. How about uh, offer, offer to pray with someone? Huh? Just something that didn't cost you anything, right? How about bless a single parent with a gift card's cash or offer to watch their kids or children while they do some Christmas shopping? Y'all don't get too many amens on that, dude. Like, I, 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 I'll give you a check. I ain't watching no kids. I ain't doing, I ain't doing that. No. <laughs> you watch your own kids. I, ain't, I didn't have them. I ain't watching them. I didn't even know faith at all. No, I ain't doing that one. Prepare a meal for an elderly neighbor or a friend or who maybe who recently had a baby. Or instead of spending money on unnecessary, unnecessary items, donate them to charity. How about send some love to someone who lost a loved one this past year? That's a great idea. How about rake your neighbor's leaves or cut their grass for them instead of complaining about how bad their yard looks? I like this one. How about pay off somebody's random layaway? I think that would be the coolest thing. Just walk in and say, just choose me one of this amount. I'm going to pay it off for them. And then they show up and they go, somebody just showed up and said they wanted to bless you. Love that. These random acts of kindness is what turns on the light for people. We were in the airport on the way to Argentina. And this, we, we met with this couple there while we were waiting. And, and you know, 
I'm pretty outgoing, and you know, surprisingly enough. And I, I said, you know, hey, what y'all do? Just got married on our honeymoon. I said, wow. I reached right in my pocket and gave them some money. I said, then I'm just going to bless you in Jesus' name for a blessing on your honeymoon. They go, hey, what do you do? I said, I'm a preacher. She goes, oh, my God, my dad's a preacher. And, and we had a revival right there in the airport, you know, just random. But isn't that cool, just random acts of kindness? And I believe this is one of the greatest ways this year. You know, they say we'll spend 65 Billion dollars Black Friday. $65 billion one day. I'm not against Black Friday. I'm not against stuff. Stuff's a blessing. But when we do it, let's at least pause long enough to say, hey, I'm going to take something aside, maybe buy me a pocket full of gift cards and hold them with me to say, I'm going to ask God to lead me to some people this year, and I'm going to be a blessing to somebody other than just myself this year in Jesus' name. Amen? Can we do that together? So hopefully we can all grab a hold of that. And I think it's exciting to be able to do something like that. If you need help during the holidays, contact the church. We'll connect you with one of our houses of light or somebody in our community to make sure your needs are met. We just want to be a blessing. But not only is this about light, the most important thing about this month, it's about trust. The, the circle, Semek, which is the letter for the Hebrew. This is what the Hebrew letter looks like this month. It means to be surrounded, supported, protected. This is the month that you and I deepen our trust in Jesus Christ. This is the month you and I deepen our trust in Jesus Christ. And when I started looking at this, I started thinking about trust, and, and I realized it's not necessarily how much we trust. The point is, is what we're trusting trustworthy? That's what, that's what determines the depth of our trust, is what we're actually trusting trustworthy. Well, I've, I've found quickly three scriptures that tells you what not to trust, that aren't trustworthy. And the first one I found was Proverbs eleven twenty eight. Here's what it says. He who trusts in riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. Proverbs eleven twenty eight. How many of you know you can't really trust money? It's a blessing, but you can't trust it. It's fickle. It's up one day and it's down the other. Down the other. You know, especially if somebody's managing last name Madoff. <laughs> I understand what his name is. He made off with all the money. You know? <laughs> but, you know, you can't trust it, can you? You can't trust money. You can use money, and it can be a blessing, but you can't really trust it. Not completely. Second thing the Bible says don't, don't trust is man. Look at some, you know the very center verse of the Bible is, it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in a man. That's Psalm 118.8. The very center verse of the Bible is right there. If you, took, if you mark the center verse of the Bible, there it is right there, Psalm 118.8. Better to trust in the Lord than put confidence in man. Not that we don't trust men on some levels, depending on their trustworthiness, but you can't completely trust a man. You can't completely trust me. I will disappoint you every time. You can't completely trust your husband or your wife. I'm not saying completely. You, I'm just saying, sooner or later, you, people disappoint you because they're human. But I've got good news. God will never disappoint you. He is completely trustworthy. <laughs> Last, and this is a big one, you can't trust yourself. 
The Bible says our heart is deceitful above all things. That's how we get off into sin. Our own heart deceives us. Right? Look at Jeremiah 17. This is interesting. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord, for he shall be like a shrub in the desert and won't see when good comes, but will inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Don't trust the tree, trust the river. Isn't it interesting that First John says, even if your heart condemns us, condemns you, God is even greater than your own heart. We don't trust ourselves completely, but we can trust God. And so this is the month that we deepen our trust. Interesting enough, the sense of this month is sleep. The sense of this month is sleep. Isn't that interesting that God puts in the same month trust and sleep? Because God knows that really we only sleep well when we have the tranquility and restfulness of trusting God in our lives allows us to lay down our head at night and sleep well because we really trust God. Right? What's Psalm 127 say? I don't know if it's on the screen or not. I'll see if I can paraphrase it. It's, here we go. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Next one. It is vain for you to rise up early to sit up late to eat the bread of sorrows, for he gives his beloved sleep. In other words, it's vain, it says, to sit up at night worried about your problems. You can go to bed. If you trust God and you put your trust in God, you can lay your head down at night, even in the midst of things going on, and trust that somehow you're going to wake up in the morning and his mercies are going to be new every morning and you can trust him. Won't you touch three people and just say, you can trust God. Tell them, you can trust God. Interesting, this month, the, the tribe is Benjamin, which has to do with the archer. And I'm not an archer, but they say good archers have the sense that they're asleep on the inside, which allows them to make the good shot because they're at such peace inside. I have a story about this, which is kind of interesting. You may have heard it before, but uh, I've t I think I've told it before. But I was flying one time from uh, Japan to back to the States after a crusade working for the ministry I, I was with Pastor Benny Hinn and we were on a private aircraft and we were supposed to land in Hawaii for fuel uh, to get gas so we could get, make it all the way back to the States it was a long, a long flight and we'd been flying for about eight hours and there was a flight attendant on the flight for security, safety in case something happened to get you off and she walked out of the cockpit crying now I don't know if you've been on a lot of flights but when the stewardess is crying something's wrong going on you know what I'm talking about and so I said what in the world's wrong she said we're in trouble I said, what does that mean? She said, we're 42,000 feet, we're over the Pacific Ocean, and we're lost, and we're out of gas. I'm like, well, that can't be good. <laughs> the reactions to what it was interesting, Benny's a praying man, he went straight head down praying. His brother, who's the black sheep of family, started confessing his sin to everybody on the plane. <laughs> My buddy David Delgado, a Puerto Rican from New York, he was totally angry. He said, I knew this was going to happen. I'm going to die. My wife's going to get the insurance money. She's going to marry a younger man and spend all my money. He said, I knew this day was going to come to me. Ralph Wilkerson, the pastor of 50 years in California, this is the one that got me. He slept the whole time. I shook him. Ralph, we're in trouble. Wake up. He woke up a little. I said, Ralph, we might crash. Wake up. He goes, 
and slept the entire time. I was just thinking, my, I was really afraid at first, you know, like, oh, we're going to die. And, and then you're thinking, well, I guess we're just going to die. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it, right? Which is an eerie feeling because you can't panic because there's nothing to do. You just And uh, all of a sudden, uh, they, f- uh, some, they somehow found an AM radio signal, the navigation system we'd lost, and hooked up to another aircraft and found out we were 100 miles north of where we were supposed to be, got us turned around, declared an emergency landing. When we landed, the pilot's face was as white as a, white as a sheet of paper. And uh, I said, uh, they came to me, they said, I don't know how we got in. We ran out of fuel 15 minutes ago. Ralph, my point is, finally wakes up. I said, Ralph, we were all about to die. I said, and here you are, you slept through the whole thing. He didn't miss a beat. He said, Kent, Jesus sleeps in all the storms. Jesus sleeps in all storms. I've heard this, and I think it's very powerful. If you can't see God's hand, you can trust his heart. If you can't see his hand at work, you can trust his heart. Because he loves you. He's looking out for you. He'll help you get through whatever situation you're in some way, somehow. Now, what creates this trust in God? is intimacy. Intimacy. One of my favorite scriptures, actually books of the Bible, is Proverbs 3. I actually wrote a book called Good Success, God's Way, and it's written on this one chapter, Proverbs chapter 3, because it's meant so much to my life. I believe if you only had Proverbs 3, you could live a very good life with God. And one of the favorite parts of Proverbs 3 says something like this, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. I don't know about you, but my life, I, I do pretty good trusting God. It's when I, it's, but I have a problem wanting to lean on my own understanding. I feel like Joel Osteen right now for some reason. <laughs> I just felt like a Joel Osteen anointing. This is my Bible. I, I, <laughs> I can do what it says I can do. I am what it says I am. <laughs> Joel, you ain't got nothing on me. I know you watching me trying to get my sermons. I don't know. I honestly, I was like, wow, it sounds like Joel Osteen. <laughs> Lean not to your own understanding. I know in my life, every time God's asked me to trust him more, he normally gave me an instruction. When he was wanting to leave, because see, good news is God doesn't want you to trust him completely at once. My journey with God has been, he just take, asks you for the next steps. Trust him with your sin. Trust him with your past. Trust him with your future. Trust him with your money. Trust him with your family. Trust him with your career. Trust him with your health. And and he just gives you these next steps in this journey on how to trust him more. And so what happens is when we learn to trust him by obeying his instructions instead of leaning on our own understanding. When when, when the first thing God dealt with me was about trusting money. Right? And when God started talking to me about that, he gave me the instructions of tithing and giving. That didn't make any sense to me. If you're struggling financially, why in the world would you give money away? That's not a, 
That's not a lean on your own understanding situation. That's so I got to trust God and obey Him and see what God will do, right? It reminds me of this. It's, I read this story this week. So there was a man who got lost in the desert and wandered around for a time. His throat became very dry. About that time, he found a little shack in the distance. His maid went over there, and there was a water pump with a small jug of water in the note. The note read, pour all the water into the top of the pump to prime it. If you do this, you'll get the water you need. Now, the man had a choice to make. If he trusted the note and poured the water in it and, work, and it worked, he'd have all the water he needed. If it didn't work, he'd still be thirsty and might die. Or he could choose to drink the water in the jug and get immediate satisfaction, but it might not be enough and he still might die. So after thinking about it, the man decided to risk it. He poured the entire jug into the pump and began to work the handle. At first, nothing happened. He got scared, a little scared, but he kept going and water started coming out. So much water came out that he drank all he wanted, took a shower, filled many containers, so many that, as many as he could find. Because he was willing to give up momentary satisfaction, he got all the water he needed. Now the note also said, after you finish, please refill the jug for the next traveler. The man refilled the drug, jug and added to the note, please prime the pump. Believe me, it works. Amen. And I guess I just wanted to communicate to you today, please prime the pump because I promise you trusting God will work in your life. It's worked in my life and I promise you it will work in your life if you just learn to trust Him and lean not to your own understanding. Two words and we'll get out of here. Added to that, he says, acknowledge God in all your ways, and he will direct your path. Interesting. Acknowledge God in all your ways. That word ways is a Hebrew word, Derek, which Derek is very interesting. Derek is a, uh, literally a word that means a road or a course or a mode of action. It actually suggests specific opportunities a, person's may, a person may encounter on a recurring basis. The most sec, the most sec, common segment of opportunity we all experience regularly is each new day. So it's as if this passage suggests that if in all our days we acknowledge God in doing so, He will direct our paths. Of equal significance is the word acknowledge, which is yada. Yada is translated to know by observation, investigation, reflection, or first-hand experience. Applied to the spiritual context, this suggests an intimacy with God in prayer that conceives and bursts victories. So joined to our proverb text, we might conclude that if in all our days we maintain intimate, direct contact with God, He will direct our, our lives into life endeavors or life-begetting endeavors, if you will. This intimacy with God. You see... I think some, some, we get off sometimes and we want to just trust the Scriptures. But the Scriptures aren't designed to trust. The Scriptures are actually designed to introduce you to Jesus who you can trust. I'm not saying I don't love the Bible. I'm just saying its purpose is to give you intimacy with Jesus. See, I can have a revelation that you don't have. See, if God has shown me something and I've met him intimately and I realize I can trust him financially, you may have not had that revelation yet. And so until, you're, until you get a revelation and that intimacy with God in that area, you, can't, you have to have that yourself. I can't give that to you. My wife's been healed several times. She has this innate trust of God. She just believes God can do anything physically in your body because she's had it done to her in her body. Are you tracking with me? And that comes from intimacy with God. And that, that comes because you know God. 
Not you know about God, you know God, and you know what God will do, and you know how he's done it in your life, and you got this trust in God because it's been a personal, intimate contact that you've had with God in your life. It's like the story I heard about Psalm 23. A guy got up and uh, uh, read it, a great orator, and he read Psalm 23, and it was so beautifully orated that the, he got a standing ovation because he just delivered it in such a poetic fashion. Then this 82-year-old man came up and said, could I read it? And he read it, and everybody in the church started crying. The presence of God fell like a blanket. Everybody's sobbing. They asked the 82-year-old, they said, what in the world happened? The young man read it, and everybody applauded. You read it, everybody started crying. He said, simple, he knows the psalm, I know the shepherd. <laughs> and isn't that the difference? Yeah, you can know the psalm, but it's a different thing when you know the shepherd. That intimacy. That creates trust. My friend Jason Upton, that's a worship leader, told me this story. And he said his daughter was scared one night during a storm. And he went in several times to try to console her with, you know, just telling honey, it's going to be all right. You're in a safe place. And just didn't work, you know. He'd go back to bed and she'd wake up and come get him. He said about the third time he just gave up and he was exhausted. So he said, I just got in the bed with her and put my arm around her. And he said she went immediately to sleep. He said, now I'm wide awake. He said, I'm laying there and I'm looking up and he said, all of a sudden the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, Jason, learn something. Words don't comfort. Presence does. Presence does. See, I don't know about you, but in my life, I've had times I didn't know what to do or what God was going to do. But somehow I felt his arm not telling me he was going to fix it, just telling me whatever you're going to go through I'm going to be right here with you in the midst of it and walk through anything you got to walk through together. And a peace came that you could just lay down and go to sleep trusting that God was in control of your life. This is that month that we deepen our trust through intimacy with God, allowing God to bless us with sweet sleep, by the way, because he likes to reveal himself in dreams. Right? So this is also the month where dreams will come your way because God's given you that deep, peaceful sleep. He can speak to you and you can encounter God in dreams and he can lead us forward supernaturally. Last scripture I'll share with you is Psalm 37, my, one of my favorite. Trust, rely on and have confidence in the Lord and do good. One translation says, and just be faithful. Dwell in the land and feed securely on his faithfulness. Feed on his faithfulness. I don't know about you, but I love the Psalms. And I love it that David was honest. He didn't just write about his victories. He didn't just write about how powerful God was. He actually spent as much time talking about the absence of God's presence as he did God's presence itself. And I don't know if you've ever read them, but he gets, like, he said some quagmires, scrapes, as they would say. You know, like, Lord, I'm being hunted. Lord, I'm fearful for my life. Lord, I'm moaning because fearfulness has overtaken me and death has laid hold of me and seized me. And, and you're thinking, this is the same guy that killed Goliath and did all these great things. And all of a sudden, he finds himself in an absolute place of despair. Right? And he writes about it and records it. But here's what I find very interesting. It, almost every psalm would start that way. But by the time you get to the end of it, something happened. 
And, I, and when you read it, he goes despair, 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 disheartened, fearful, death is seizing. But all of a sudden he says something like, but I will remember the years of the Most High God. I will remember what God did in me in the past season. I will remember how God prayed me through and got me through in one season. And he feeds on the faithfulness of God. And I've got news for somebody. No matter where you are in this season, take this month to feed on what God has done for you in an old season and let that bring hope alive and trust for you. If God did it in another season, he'll do it in this season because you can trust God. Come on, somebody, and rejoice in God with me today. Come on. Thanks for listening to this message. If you are blessed by this message, you can give by visiting waio.org or by downloading the Wayo app and selecting Give. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel. Thanks.